Hello, and welcome back to Better Health Now. I'm your host, Rob Brown. I hope you were checking in on that last series on sleep and that you found some of the information helpful uh, and can maybe make some good changes and get some better sleep and have some better health coming from it. If you weren't checking in on the series on sleep, or if this is your first time checking in, then welcome to the show. Let me give you a handle on what we're doing here. My goal is to give you information to help you sort out the information that folks hear out there on social media or blogs or on the news or other expert sources. Even some of that stuff is tainted as you've already seen by now. A lot of these sources have an agenda. They may be selling a program or a product or trying to advance a line of thinking. Unfortunately, this mindset leads to some pretty self-serving advice being dished out by some of these so-called experts out there. They can be people that mean well, but they get a little bit short-sighted and they look only at what their product or their program or their agenda is, and it doesn't necessarily fit as well in with what it is that you need for your own optimal health. We're not going to do that here. I aim to offer up advice. I gather information from reliable sources, medical journals, research articles uh, to try to give you that information. I don't have any agenda. I don't have a program. I don't have a product that I am selling to you. I just want you to get the information so you can take a better, more active role in how you can be healthier today, tomorrow, and living on to the future. I have an email address. If you want to contact me, uh, give me some ideas on things you might like to hear in the future, comment on some of the things that I've said, it would be betterhealthnowpodcast at gmail.com. Go ahead, fire that up and uh, let me know what you're thinking. Today, I want to talk about something a little bit different. Uh, it's kind of a timely topic as well. Uh, I live in uh, Western Pennsylvania. And uh, finally, the long winter has broken and spring has finally, finally sprung for us. We're pretty close to where that silly groundhog Punxsutawney Phil is. And all of us would like to wring his neck for how long he made this winter drag out. We could have somebody to blame it on anyway, folks, right? Let's talk about spring fever. And I am not talking about the get out of the house, get away from your current surroundings spring fever. I'm talking about the other kind of spring fever, the runny nose, sneezing, itching eyes, scratchy throat, allergy kind of spring fever that so many people are suffering with. This hits a lot of people at different times of the year for lots of different reasons. Spring is just one of the best ones. Well, in a way of, in a manner of speaking. So let's talk a little bit about allergies, shall we? What are they? Why do we get them? What do we do about them? We all have lots of questions about this. Um, so I'm going to try to give you some good information about this. Buckle up, put on your thinking caps, folks. I want to start by talking a little bit about us, our bodies. We are pretty well-made creatures, okay? We have an entire system that is designed to simply respond to the stuff in the environment that we come into contact with, the things that we touch, the things that we eat, the things that we breathe. Now, this system is called the immune system. We have certain cells within that system that respond when a foreign thing touches or enters our body. This foreign thing can be lots of different things. It can be pollen. It can be dust. It can be a chemical. It can also be bacteria or virus. Now, some of these things can be inhaled. We can breathe them in. They can enter our nose, our respiratory system, our lungs or they can be eaten, they can be drank, they can be ingested. 
They can enter into our eyes because pollen and things like that blow in there. They can enter our ears and they can enter into other body cavities in other ways. These could be objects that we're thinking about, perhaps a splinter or a piece of something gets stuck into us, maybe a piece of metal, the dust that gets into our eyes, the chemicals that we breathe as we're standing by a, a nice bonfire sometime, even those chemicals get into our throat and lungs. I've heard of people who unfortunately made the mistake of burning poison ivy, and as they breathed in some of that smoke, got some allergic response to the chemicals from the poison ivy in their um, nose and throat. I have not done any research on that. I'm simply relating what some people have related to me. There are even some rare cases of getting uh, stuff that gets poked into our body and then enters into our bloodstream and moves about and causes all kinds of problems. We have an immune system designed to help deal with all of that. When we consider the spring or the seasonal allergies, today we're really gonna be thinking a lot about pollen, the stuff that's blooming and growing in plants. I went for a run this morning and I could smell the beautiful crab apples uh, and the other flowering trees in the neighborhoods. It was almost overwhelming in some places, so strong and I enjoyed it an awful lot. That stuff is blowing around on those spring breezes. And this morning for me, that pollen got breathed in and entered my nose, my lungs, my mouth, my throat. And for a lot of folks, that's when the nasty problems begin. In our immune system, we have something called immunoglobulin E, which we'll refer to like everybody else does as IgE. Now this is an antibody that our immune system makes to respond to a foreign substance like pollen or mold or dust. This antibody, IgE, causes some other chemical changes to occur as soon as it comes in contact with something. When you have allergies, your immune system makes antibodies that identify a particular allergen, something that we breathed in or, or touched, uh, it, it identifies that as a harmful thing even though it really isn't. Now that's the WebMD version of how allergies occur. IgE antibody identifies and attacks and it causes special cells known as mast cells to release chemicals that irritate the people that have allergies. Now these mast cells are really a special type of white blood cell. Chemicals that are released are the problem. They cause the annoying symptoms. And annoying is only the right word if it's somebody else. When it's you, it's not annoying. It's a lot worse than that. But these are the symptoms that cause us the problems. The itchy, runny eyes, runny nose, scratchy throat, sneezing, redness, rashes, all those kinds of things. The biggest chemical that we have to blame for that is histamine. The curious part about this is that these mast cells are derived, they start as cells that are part of the immune system and part of the neuroimmune system. When they are immature cells, they are still part of the immune and neuroimmune system. This is a part of how our nervous system interprets allergens, pollen, and organizes a response. The immune response involves the nervous system. Those, that's where those cells all started from. And in the spring, as we all know, plants release their wonderful pollen. Uh, there's some mornings that it's so heavy that you have to turn your windshield wipers on just to get off your windshield. If it's being accumulating on a windshield, uh, we're gonna breathe that in. A lot of folks get that all too well-known spring fever or allergy season response. Our body recognizes that we breathe the foreign substance. It produces the immunoglobulin, which calls in the mast cells. They release their histamine. That turns on the faucet. The nose run, the eyes run, they water, and we feel like a big old lump of goo. Now, why? Well, our body overreacts to the pollen. 
It's pretty harmless stuff as far as forward substances go. The overreaction is really the problem. It's not the reaction, it's the overreaction. We normally sneeze when we breathe in pepper. Uh, my father used to do it many times when he would put pepper on his food, still put pepper on his food and he ate it, but he would sneeze. A lot of people when we're uh, forced to breathe a lot of dust will end up sneezing as well. That helps us clear that stuff out of our nose and our air passageways. Sometimes we get the exact same thing occurring when we get this stuff into our eyes. Our eyes run, uh, they tear up, and the, the tears rinse the stuff out of our eyes. Right? We cry when we cut onions because our, our body's trying to get rid of those chemical irritants. Those aren't allergies, those are normal responses. Most of us don't have allergies to onions. So why is it that pollen in spring is such a bugger? Well, it's not just pollen and it's not just spring. Allergies are a whole lot bigger than that. Uh, and it's, this is not news to anybody. Back in the 60s, about 3% of American children had allergic dermatitis. That's a skin reaction to things that they touched. By the late 1990s, that number had increased to about 10%. Why from the 60s to the 90s? Have we seen a 300% increase in the number of kids that are affected by this? That's a great question. The information is out there and you kind of have to dig for it. I found another article that said from 1997 to 2007. And I like that. It's a 10-year gap and it's getting us a lot closer. From the 60s to the 90s doesn't really put as many legs on something as we would like to see. But from 97 to 2007, the prevalence of reported food allergies increased 18% among children under the age of 18. That's one in five. And that comes from a website called home.allergicchild.com. You can go look that up. Uh, and this uh, citation, this home.allergicchild.com, is a source, a, a reference source, that was cited by the Health and Human Services Council of the United States, uh, the National Center for Health Statistics, in a 2008 paper that they published dealing specifically with allergies. And I realize that's 10 years old, but a lot of times getting the government turnaround to update things takes a long, long time. Everything in the government seems like it takes a long time. That's just the way government works. Uh, there's another article uh, published in December of 2003 in the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology that says the prevalence of peanut allergies, and we've heard an awful lot about that, it has doubled in the five years from 1997 to 2002. Uh, we're now 16 years past that. I wonder what that number looks like now. I started off today talking about seasonal allergies, and that's, that's something that draws everyone's attention when we first get the pollen going around. That's the kind of the hot button right now. But food allergies are just as important, and for a lot of folks, they consume their lives a little bit more. People have to really be concerned about what kind of stuff their kids are eating. There's also allergies to chemicals. Uh, there's allergies to medications that people give. Um, there are insect bites and stings that have the healthcare people paying very, very close attention. The American Academy of Asthma, Allergy, and Immunology, or the AAAAI, suggests that from a worldwide standpoint, drug allergies may be responsible for up to 20% of fatalities due to anaphylaxis. Anaphylaxis is the shock that we get when our body overreacts to such an extreme that our blood pressure drops because all the mast cells are releasing all that histamine. We know that there are statistics and serious reactions to insects 
and to foods. And so many folks, unfortunately, have been forced to carry these EpiPens. And we all remember what happened with the EpiPens when they decided to uh, increase the price beyond reasonable with all that price gouging, right? This had people up in arms because there are so many people that are impacted by these allergies. And for them, the only way to preserve life if they would come in contact with these things would be the uh, the dose of epinephrine that they would get from these EpiPens. Our bodies are prepared to interact with the world. Believe it or not, we are designed for that. Allergies, unfortunately, are a severe overreaction by our bodies to the stuff that really shouldn't get much notice. And these improper reactions can be annoying. They could be harmful or they could even be fatal. They can increase and get worse with each exposure or some of these can be maxed out with that first bee sting, bee sting or peanut exposure. Now, this is also not a topic that has gone unnoticed by researchers or healthcare providers. I'm sure you've heard of the latex problems that doctors and nurses now may deal with on a daily basis. A lot of folks, the doctors, go into the rooms and get special latex-free gloves. People are being found to be allergic to the latex and the adhesive and tapes that the hospitals are putting on. And schools and meal preparation folks now must warn us if tree nuts were processed in the same facility that baked your cookies or your bread. It's even to the point where some students are so highly allergic to peanuts that peanut butter is not even tolerated in school lunchrooms or in their classrooms. These kids have reactions just to the smell of peanut butter. That's something that we didn't have a whole lot of 30 and 40 years ago. It's making everyone take notice and ask some questions. Why is this happening? Please understand, if I come out and tell you why allergies are increasing, I would probably have to be the smartest man on the planet. There's a lot of people doing research to try to understand why. And we're going to get into that. I plan to do another couple of episodes on allergies to try to get you some information about that. But for, for the moments, we're just talking about what allergies are. There are some other things that I want to throw in here real quickly before I end today. There are allergy-like conditions, something like asthma. Asthma represents another improper reaction by the body when it comes to the normal stuff that it really shouldn't overreact to. Allergies and asthma don't share all of the same characteristics. But I want to mention that in here because when we start talking about allergies, there's a lot of people that want to link those two together and they are clearly different. What do we do about it? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit in another show, but I want to, I want to kind of close up with, with this idea. An allergic response, an allergy, an allergic reaction has two different parts. One part is from external, the stuff that's out there in the world that we come in contact with. Not everyone has that allergic response because in addition to that, we have to put how our body responds to it. How our body responds to it is kind of the key to all of this. The only way to make sure nobody gets allergies is to put us all in sterile environments where we cannot come in contact with any of those things. That's not reality. Uh, back in the 70s, there was a television show called The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, and that was about a, a, a young man who had no immune system, so they had to keep him isolated. That's just not a reality. That's not practicality. Nobody is going to live like that. It was a television show. It was made for television show. Since we can't keep that away from us, the only thing that we can really talk about is how our body responds to it. Our body's response is coordinated and controlled by our nervous system. Back to those mast cells that have a tie-in to the nervous system. There is a neuroimmune response and our brain has a role to play. There's a lot of research being done into how the brain and how the nervous system controls and coordinates 
our immune response. And frankly, it's not very well understood, uh, but in some ways it, it's very well understood. Uh, we could talk about uh, TH cells, the helpless, helper cells that respond, and we are going to talk about it in the future, but I just want to, to get everybody thinking about that. The stuff that we come in contact with is only part of what goes on. Making sure that we have a properly functioning nervous system will also give our body the chance to respond in the best, most appropriate manner possible. That's not saying that all allergies can be eliminated just by a properly functioning nervous system. Our nervous system is really the key that holds this all together. So we need to make sure that we have proper nervous system functioning so that when we do breathe these things in, when we do come in contact with these things, we can respond appropriately. Our nervous system and our immune system can work together to do the job that we were designed to do and properly and appropriately respond to whatever we're facing. And if that means sneezing because it's simple case of pepper or if that's tearing of the eyes because we need to rinse something out, that's what our body needs to do. So we need to make sure that our nervous system can do the thing that it's supposed to do in the right way so that we don't overreact and don't end up getting the problems. Now next week, I'm gonna jump in a little bit deeper to some of the things that talk about uh, the immune system as far as what do we do about them? Uh, where do we go? How do we, how do we address this issue? If we can't put ourselves in a plastic bubble, what is it that we can do? So there's some, some good practical things out there. We'll talk about the, the medical ideas, uh, as well as the nutritional ideas, uh, alternative ideas that give us a chance to decrease our body's immune response, our body's over response and have a more appropriate response so we don't get all these nasty allergy-like symptoms. So until then, I hope that you uh, think about these things uh, and hope that you don't get bit by the allergy bug too bad this spring uh, and help us get on the path to better health now. Drop me a line if you uh, have any questions for me. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks.